0: Hi, everybody. It's good to be back. Welcome to Summit Church Online. Uh, On Wednesday nights, we've been talking about the holiness of God and what Scripture talks about as holy. So this uh, series is titled Holy, 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 and this is part five and the last part. Uh, The first part we talked about God and how holy he is and how Scripture talks about that just over and over and over again. Just just talks about how holy God is. And then part two, talked. we talked about how uh, when a person repents of their sins and puts their faith and trust in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, that God makes them holy through the blood of Jesus. And then in the third part, we talked about, in addition to the great gift of salvation and God making us holy, he expect, expects us to live holy. We're told to live holy. And then last uh, Wednesday night, we talked about uh, how holy God's name is and how we should keep it holy and that we shouldn't profane it or take it in vain. So this one, this uh, uh lesson today, we're going to talk about having a holy home. And it's possible to have a holy home. Um, back in the New Testament, when the New Testament was written, there were some traditions and thoughts in society And among religious people, about the family that weren't exactly correct according to scripture. First of all, back then, as and you know, as happens still now, there was a great deal of sexual sexual immorality in society, outside of the church, and also, unfortunately, inside of the church. And then, um, secondly, the culture and the Jews felt like it was normal. And perfectly acceptable for uh, people to get divorced for any and every reason. And then, third, when one when, when there was a divorce, the children of a Christian, children of a Jewish person, you know, if it was a Jewish marriage, were considered at heathens or unclean because they had a divorced parent. And that was just a, a, a cultural tradition of the day. And fourth, in the Church of Corinth. When someone who uh, was married to a Christian, when someone was married to a Christian, um, they were open to the idea of divorce because they married someone who they felt like was a sinner. Had now that they were a Christian, they felt like they were married to someone who was a sinner or unclean, and those are all thoughts that just came from society or from tradition or things that people had made up. So I'm going to read from this book. It's called, uh, if you can see it, (laughs) The Message of 1 Corinthians uh, by David Pryor. He talks about this. He says, Paul then tackles a problem which must have been very common in Corinth, a newly converted Christian married to an unbeliever. It is always common where the gospel is being proclaimed with power. As one partner is converted, this leads to... Uh, immense and at times intolerable strain being placed on both. The Christian partner has now discovered a totally new way of life and is committed to new standards, new loyalties, new priorities, new desires. He or she is a new creation. The necessary adjustments are immense. There will be many false starts, much inconsistency, and great misunderstanding. At times, the new Christian will feel torn in two. Equally, the unbeliever will hardly know what has hit him, and it seems, statistically at least, to be the husband who finds himself living with some kind of new holy woman. The devastating impact of such an event cannot be overestimated. Uh, uh, not wait. Let me start that sentence again. The devastating impact of such an event, not least in what, can genuinely be called a very good marriage cannot be overestimated. I was going to give you an example. A Cape Town brain surgeon put it most movingly. When asked what he found so difficult 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 about his wife's newfound faith in Christ, he stressed two things. First, she was no longer the person with whom he had originally fallen in love with and whom he had decided to marry secondly there was another man about the house to whom she was all the time referring her every decision and whom she chose to consult for his advice and instructions he was no longer the boss of his own house jesus gave the orders and set the pace so you can see from uh what i read there that Um, In a marriage, if you have two people who don't believe in Christ, who are not saved, and then one person becomes a Christian, it can be a very trying time. Paul addressed this dilemma here in 1 Corinthians 7, verse 12. 1 Corinthians 7, verse 12. He says, to the rest, I say, and before he's talking about this, he's talking about single people and married people who are Christians. But to the rest of the people, he says... And he's saying he clarifies that he's saying, I'm saying this, Jesus didn't say this, but I'm saying this. If any brother has a wife who is not a believer and she is willing to live with him, he must not divorce her. And if a woman has a husband who is not a believer and she is willing to he is willing to live with her, she must not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband has been sanctified through the wife. And if you hear that word sanctified, remember that that's one of the definitions of holy, to be sanctified, to be pure, to be consecrated, to be set apart. So the unbelieving husband is sanctified through his wife, and the unbelieving wife has been sanctified through her believing husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean. See what we talked about earlier? They would be unclean, but as it is, they are holy. Are they sanctified? They're set apart. The words here sanctify and holy are basically come from the same Greek word. Paul's not saying that the unbelieving spouse or the unbelieving children are instantly born again when, when when the one spouse is born again. And he isn't saying they instantly have eternal life. But And he's not saying that their sins are forgiven. But what he is saying is that they are set apart, that they're sanctified, that they're consecrated to God in the hope that they will become Christians. And single parents, this goes for you too, in your household. If one person in the home can have this much influence, think about how much influence a Christian couple has in their home. Because of the marriage uh, involving a believing spouse, the whole household becomes a partaker in Christian fellowship. As we invite Jesus into our marriage and into our home, the members of our home get to experience firsthand the life-changing power of the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. They have the opportunity to hear us professing God's Word over them and praying for them and seeing our prayers answered. They have the opportunity to see how God strengthens us how we walk in love, how we're filled with hope and peace, and that's so attractive and so drawing to a person. We can see what power a Christian in the home can bring. It is compared in Scripture to our relationship with Jesus Christ. In Ephesians 5, verse 21, 21, it says, "...submit to one another out of reverence for Christ." wives submit to your husbands as to the lord for the husband is the head of the wife as christ is head of the church his body of which he is savior now as the church submits to christ so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything and you know uh we're we're just uh, being an example of jesus christ jesus christ submitted his will to the will of the father and as Christian wives, you're, you're uh, just portraying such a vivid uh, picture of what Jesus Christ did when you're able to submit to your husbands. Verse 25, husbands love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. See, if, if, if it's a Christian husband and an unbelieving wife, he can just give a living picture of who Jesus Christ is by showing her love, by, by taking care of her, just like Jesus Christ cares for his church. So husbands love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word of God to present, uh, and to present her to himself as a radiant bride without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. See, husbands are supposed to be imitating Christ and doing this in their lives with their wife. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it, just as Christ does for the church. So husbands, if you act like Jesus Christ in his care for his church, Uh, Your wife will be so blessed and she'll be so drawn to the life of Christ. Verse 30, for we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, and he goes back to marriage again. Each one of you must love his wife as he loves himself. And the wife must respect her husband. So in the marriage relationship, it's a picture of Jesus Christ and how he loves his church and how the church loves uh, him back. Uh, Unbelieving spouses and children are living with and in a covenant relationship with a Uh, Christian. Let me say that again. Unbelieving uh, the unbelieving spouse and children are living with and in covenant, in a covenant relationship with a Christian. And because of that, their whole household is set apart, consecrated, and cut off from the total and complete ungodliness that's in this world. So see what effect one Christian person in a home can have. Uh, and this gives the holy hope that the unbelieving spouse and children may be one to the Lord. And that is the wonderful, wonderful miracle of spiritual influence. Christian, you're making your house holy. You're making it sanctified and set apart for Christ. Let's look at First Peter 3, verse 1. It talks about the family some more. First Peter 3, verse 1. It says, Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word... They may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. See, as wives become Christians, they become new creatures and their behavior and their, uh, their demeanor and the way they act toward their husband is to symbolize the way a church member, a Christian acts toward Christ. And it will do wonders. It will, it would just make your marriage holy and it will, it will just set the ground for your spouse receiving Jesus Christ. Um, that they may be won over without words by the behavior of the wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as braided hair and the wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. Instead, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy... Remember that word holy. Holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to make themselves beautiful. They were submissive to their own husbands. Like Sarah who obeyed Abraham and called him her master. You are her daughters if you do what is right and not to give way to fear. Husbands, in the same way be considerate as you live with your own wives. And treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Finally, all of you live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic, love as brothers, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil for evil or insult with insult, but with blessing, because to this you were called so that that you may inherit a blessing or be holy and sanctified and set of heart verse 10 for whoever would love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceitful speech he must turn from evil and do good he must not he must seek peace and pursue it for the eyes of the lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayers but in but the face of the lord is against those who do evil Verse 13, who is going to harm you if you're eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear, fear what they fear and do not be frightened. Verse 15, but in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. And do this in your homes, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Isn't that awesome? God tells us to be holy. He tells us how to have holy homes. And he tells us how to act in our homes so that uh, the chances, the probability of our loved ones uh, turning to Christ, repenting of their sins, and accepting or, or taking Jesus as the Lord and Savior will just be exponentially multiplied. And we want that. So I, I encourage you to invite Jesus into your life. Invite Jesus into your home. Pray for your family. Declare the word over your family. Declare that they are holy, set apart, sanctified with the hope of repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. Well, I hope that helped you. Um, You know, if you're a believing spouse and and your spouse is unbelieving, they're not a Christian, you know, um, they don't always turn to the Lord. They don't always get saved. And there are instances where a divorce has to happen when there's infidelity or or like addictions or things like that or abuse. There are times when uh, a, a divorce has to happen. But in the majority of the cases, God just uh, wants you to love that person, respect them, uh, be eager to share the hope that you have, and just uh, wash them with love, wash them with the the word of God, wash them through prayer, and uh, just uh, stand in faith for them. Well, just as a review, uh, this is the last Holy, Holy, Holy. So first of all, we talked about how God is holy. Secondly, how God makes us holy when we repent of our sins and put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And he not only makes us holy, number three, he asks us, he commands us to live as holy. We're supposed to live different than the world. And the fourth one is that God's name is holy and we should never profane it or take it in vain, but just keep it as holy. And the fifth one, which we did today, is your faith family is holy it's set apart and consecrated to god in the hope of their repentance and their faith in christ so if this series has helped you just like it and share it with somebody else comment it and that way more people will be able to see it so i'm so thankful that you listened to it i I really pray and trust that it was helpful to you and that um, just God's holiness would be uh, foremost on your mind, that you'd be thinking about it and dwelling upon that and meditating upon that. And if you've never uh, become a Christian, I just encourage you today to repent of your sins and put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. The Bible says when you call upon his name, you shall be saved. So I'm going to sign off now, and I hope you have a great week, and I hope these thoughts these uh, scriptures will will just come up in your mind and your heart in Jesus name bye bye